Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the upcoming book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. You can find more information on this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. Today, we'll be speaking with Natasha Davis. She is a brand strategist and visionary. Over the past 15 years, she has coached and consulted hundreds of executives and companies on using the power of agility for profitable brand positioning. Natasha became determined to help uncomplicate the most complicated aspects of branding and strategic planning. She is affectionately referred to as the chief visionary by her clients and business community. Natasha developed and launched the predictive model CRM tool for consultants, the Profit Enhancer Analysis in 2019. She has numerous accolades such as having been awarded as the Entrepreneur and Executive Professional of the 2011 year, Excellence in Marketing in 2013, Lifetime Achievement Award by President Barack Obama in 2016, and appointed as the State of Georgia Small Business Economic Development Leadership Committee member by the National Small Business Association in 2019. She's also a published author, writing about the power of personal branding, her most recent book is Hashtag Be Unleashed, Unleashed Your Millionaire Mindset to Build Your Brand. Welcome, Natasha. Uh, thank you so much, Guy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Looking forward to hanging out today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, look forward definitely to talking uh, with you as well. And you've got a great background. So tell us how you got into marketing. What's your backstory on marketing? Well, you know, I took an untraditional route to where I am today. I started as a registered nurse, a trauma room nurse, and I functioned as a registered nurse in the emergency room, saving lives for many years. And um, the entrepreneurship bug came up and bit me as it had with my father and my grandmother. So it's in my blood. And I, I tried to shake it off. I really did. I tried to shake it off. I'm like, don't be ridiculous. You're a registered nurse. You went to school. You got the student loans to prove it and the degree. So just keep going. And then I couldn't shake it. And then I realized I was tapping into certain uh, tools that I didn't realize I had. And so where it was very natural for me to see something and to you know make a decision about something or to analyze something around business and around marketing it was a little bit more challenging for others and while working in the emergency room I started to dip my toe into entrepreneurship and uh, that's where I got sucked in like a vacuum. You know, I realized, oh my gosh, I really have something going on. Um, as I said, I worked in the trauma room and at the time there were medical providers and other, other medical professionals that wanted to start businesses and they would ask about some business things and I just rattle off things you're supposed to do. And they were like, how do you even know this stuff? I'm like, well, who doesn't? It's common business sense, right? <laughs> Apparently it wasn't. Um, how do you market? How do you get that and they started referring to me as the business nurse in the er so when colleagues were saying hey they're trying to do some oh you got to go talk to the business nurse in the er and apparently everybody knew it was me and so um i realized okay wait a second there's some time to transition here and a few years went forward and i realized hold on you know i'm loving this business side i'm loving this other me and i'm starting to not love as much the nurse side of me and i started to struggle with that and i remember 
at one point I had hit a, a, a really difficult place where I had to choose. I had to choose not because it was mandated upon me, but it was myself inside of myself i was no longer happy with what i was doing and i had to choose to cross over a hundred percent into business and i tell you guys that was the best decision um, that i made uh, it was not an easy decision it was hard and it came with its challenges because as a nurse i did not have to market i did not have to go outside and wave and beg patients to come in i just sat there and poof they showed up. Uh, so my um, rude awakening, <laughs> the reality check happened. Uh, my first full four years in business as a full-time entrepreneur, I remember the first year I was sitting in my office and I was doing what good business people do. I had the Rolodex on the, you know, y'all know about Rolodex that Y'all know about that, right? So I had my Rolodex, I had an actual office phone, you know, I had my computer, I had my file cabinet, everything was perfect. I had a beautiful clean desk because you know I didn't have anything going on. So why wouldn't my desk be clean? And I sat there and I'm wondering, did I pay the phone bill? Because the phone isn't ringing. Why isn't the phone ringing? I pick it up, I got a dial tone, I'm on point, I'm like making sure. And it hit me, hey, ding dong, if you don't go tell them you're here, how do they know? And that's when I was like, okay, there's a little bit more to being in business than just looking good in business. And that's when I took on the, uh, the challenge to understand what does it really take to run a business, to get people through the door, to keep people in the door, to look respectable out in the business community. And that's when I sunk my teeth into marketing and into branding. Yeah, absolutely. And branding, well, marketing is, uh, is, is critical. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, and it's so, it's, it's so easy, you know, to think about going into business, but it is so hard to get that first client or the first yeah. clients and what have you. And, uh, so you've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, so what's the, what is the most thing, what is the, the best thing that you're most proud of? Wow. You know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm proud of so many things because, um, I'm, I am a Jamaican woman in an industry that is not dominated by Jamaican women. I mean, I'm going to be honest, right? <laughs> and um, so I'm really proud that I made it. You know, I'm really proud that I made it. I'm proud of all of the businesses I've been able to help, the business owners. I'm proud of the companies I've helped. I'm proud of I'm just proud of me. And a lot of times business owners don't take a chance to sit back and just say, be proud of you. Like you made it, you know what I mean? You made it through and you're going onward. So there's so many things that I am proud of. Um, I'm always proud of the success that we get for clients. Um, I have a heart for, for my clients. I said, I actually love my clients. I really do. I love every last one of them. Even the ones that give me extra gray hair. Hmm? Okay. I love them. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, um, I find it hard to always answer what am I most proud of, but I'm really proud of the uh, the effect and the results that I've been able to bring to the table. Being able to package and use my gifts and deploy it in the universe to help other people and actually being able to witness that help, you know, is one of the things that I'm super, super proud of. Um, yes, it's always nice to get an award. I was very excited about the awards. And, and once I realized I was being awarded with the Lifetime Achievement Award by President Barack Obama, I was like, oh my God, me? I'm not even 60 or 70 yet. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, and of course, you know, you step back and, and the first thing you think, right, guy is how the heck, you know, how did that happen? You're like, 
am I even like worthy of such a thing? And then you start thinking, you have to be like, heck yeah, I'm worthy of it. Give me my award. <laughs> you stand up there chasing with it. So the awards are great, but to me, the awards are byproducts of all the things that I'm proud of. Because without those awards, without the, the, the outcomes, the results, the people I've helped, the lives I've saved, the companies I've saved, those awards wouldn't even come to fruition. So the awards are like, you know, public recognitions that I'm proud of, like, oh yeah, this is really cool, you know, but it's a byproduct. But I'm really proud of the work that I've done um, and being a, a positive role model and an example for other people in business. Not just, not just Caribbean women, but all people in business, men, women, mature, you know, young, seasoned, new entrepreneurs, old entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. Just being a positive role model and like a, a being light, like, listen, she can do it. Anybody can do it, right? <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, that, no, what you can do, I'm sure not everybody can do. <laughs> That's, That's true. That is true. I'm very specific. <laughs> But uh, branding is not that easy. <laughs> no, it's actually not. Not at all. Not at all. It's not. It's not easy at all. Um, but it's really fun. My father, may he rest in peace. Um, who was my best friend? He passed away just about three years ago. Um, he used to say to me, and it used to just get under my skin. Oh, sweetheart, business isn't hard. You're just making it hard. And I'm like would you please stop saying that the phone does not ring <laughs> like what is wrong you know you know and he would just say no honestly business and my dad has been in business for himself since the age of 19 until he passed away at 70 years old and um he always would say we make it complicated business isn't hard there's basic principles and you just got to feed the principles and that thing used to just get under my skin so hard i'm like well if it was so easy then how come this is this is happening you know i had the only attitude but he's absolutely right i've come to learn that business actually is not hard we complicate it we put billions of layers and nuances and corners and curves and turns on basic things for example we take marketing um, marketing is a very clear-cut simple roadmap to follow yet somehow society has completely complicated the whole thing and has added 55 layers plus another thousand it's like it's not that hard you know you have a product that has a price that you need to promote to certain people in a certain place that's it it's simple yeah yeah, yeah. that's it it's a clean roadmap just figure it out and run with it I love your four P's. I use the four P's all the time. I mean, yeah. you know, it's so funny. Uh, so many people come out with the 10 P's, the 14 P's, the 12 P's. I can't. I can't even remember that, first of all. And half of those P's are duplicates of the first original P's. So yep. what are we doing, right? Like, let's not reinvent a wheel. I actually love traditional um just traditional marketing and business principles. Now there obviously is times that you have to use, you know, contemporary, but I actually, I'm an old soul. I do not believe in a hundred percent contemporary methodology. I believe that there is a very healthy blend of traditional and contemporary, but I also believe that you cannot have successful contemporary business approaches, marketing and branding without understanding traditional. Yeah. yeah. You know, and let me go back to a point that you made. I really liked is that uh, where you said, you know, I love my clients. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, th I think marketers also need to love their customers. Yeah. And, you know, and companies, you know, as you know, how many times and I, I hate to say it, I, I'm guilty of it. You know, I, 
I love my clients and I hate my clients at the same time sometimes, but uh, <laughs> it, is, it is them and their challenges and understanding their challenges that I think, you know, really makes a difference as an, ex as an external consultant, just like what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it really does, if you can, you know, take to heart what they're going through and what they need to do to be successful in the marketplace, it really, really makes a difference. It really does. I think that we, we as business persons, even, even as an expert, right, you, you're, you stand in a subject matter expertise arena. You don't stand to say, I know everything. So even as a subject matter expert, I still need to lend my, my ear and I have to lean on other experts because you don't know everything as one person. So when, when I approach a business and they say, listen, we need help, here's the reality of it. It is the hardest thing to admit as a business owner, I'm not doing something right. I'm failing the business. I'm failing the mission. Um, I'm hurting the clients because I'm hurting my team. It is the hardest thing to admit, right, that I'm messing this up. I'm really messing this up. And then to go get the help. So once a consultant comes to the, to the table, the consultant is there really to support. And so we know that if the company didn't have an issue, a challenge, a need, we wouldn't even be there. Right. And so when that when they come with all their their luggage, I call it a, a seven piece Louis Vuitton set. When they come with their seven piece Louis Vuitton set that's fully packed and they hand it off and say, thank you, take it. They they hit a brick wall. They don't know what else to do. And it is us as consultants that have to learn how to do what we need to mobilize that seven piece Louis Vuitton set. And how do we do that with our skills and our expertise? OK, well, let me go get this person to grab that suitcase. You grab those two suitcases because, you know, you do that. That's what we're there to do. So they, every client comes with past issues and also perceptions that are completely wrong. Like, I love it when people say, I don't understand why you have to post on social media several times a day. Why can't we just get away with three times a week? Okay, let me explain some things to you, <laughs> right? Or I love it when, you, when they say, after 30 days, how come none of the marketing is working? I expected this and this should have been happening, right? We should have had a, a 10X by now. Okay, let me explain to you how this actually works as opposed to what you saw on Google, you know? <laughs> so let's look that up. So it's it's sometimes it's it's just displaced perception and understanding. And as a consultant, you have to be able to educate. And that's another thing. As a consultant, we have to educate. We're not there just to show up, right? We have to educate in our area of expertise, but also as a consultant, truly loving your client also means knowing when it's time to cut them off or when it's time to get someone else on the team. That's what truly loving your clients mean as well. Because sometimes you got to learn when to cut the umbilical cord, but like, okay, you're going to fly because you've added seven more pieces to your existing seven piece Louis Vuitton set and we're not carrying it. So we love you so much. We're going to let you be. <laughs> Yeah, that is very true. And, uh, and it's a tough, as a consultant, it's always tough to uh, find that time to let go. And, um, uh, but nevertheless, you know, if you've taught them right, and you've given them kind of the infrastructure that they need, then uh, they should be able to fly on their own. And, uh, and that actually is also a moment when you can really say we, we have succeeded in doing, in, in doing something valuable so that they can, you know, actually 
you know, move further and, and, and potentially even faster. So, uh, agreed. Agreed. I think just like with marketing, if you have a marketing strategy, we have what we're starting with and what we want at the end, right. As consultants, you still, as you are marketing as a consultant, as you are putting marketing plans, we still have to also know there's a beginning and there's an end, right? Sometimes consultants come in with a mindset like this indefinite mindset. No, you want to have a, a start time and an end time. And at some point, if as long as you know there will come an end, just like in marketing, we have to we have a start, we're trying to achieve something. When we achieve it, we've hit the goal. We have to know when it's time to let go, as opposed to holding on to clients long past when it's time for them to, to be free. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. So tell us about uh, impact brand consulting. What what kind of clients do you have and what kind of problems do you typically run into? So impact branding um, works primarily with um, healthcare, works in the healthcare industry. We do a work with government agencies, um, local, uh, city. We also do, you know, federal. Uh, we work with service professionals, other consultants, uh, other service providers. Uh, we do some work with product-based companies, but primarily service-based businesses. And um, our and logistics. I always almost sometimes I forget trucking. We do logistics. So the type of problems, or I don't want to say problems, the pain that our clientele typically experience is I know there's something wrong, but I can't put my finger on it. And it has to be fixed. That's usually the first, that's usually what happens. Like I've been three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I am awake stressing because something's wrong and I don't know what's wrong. And I've thrown everything plus the kitchen sink at it, trying to fix it and it won't fix. Um, other problems or challenges that um, clientele come to, us, come to us with is we have had this strategic plan that we wanted to roll out and it never rolls out. We don't know why. We start the year fired up, ready to roll. And by the time we get to the third month of the year, it's like we forgot where we started. And by the time we get to the end of the year, we are back where we started. And this has been a vicious cycle. So we tend to get people that are in a place where they are looking for enhanced performance and efficiency, and they have not been able to accomplish that for whatever reason. And they're looking for some fresh eyes. They're looking for outside view to come with a strategic lens so that we can go ahead and close that gap in order for them to see the performance and efficiency they're looking for. Yeah, I think, and I, and that makes a lot of sense too. I think, um, you know, even for myself, you know, you put together a plan for the year and, uh, and it is, it is hard. I mean, you know, you get stuck on doing the day-to-day -day things and, and, you know, we're kind of in the same, in a similar business and we have clients as well. And you get, you know, kind of bogged down in what they need. And then it's very easy to put off and put off what you need to do right. for your own business. And it is nice to bring in an outsider, uh, it sounds like in your case, uh, yeah. you know, just help to get past that. And, and, but not only get past it, but really identify, you know, some of the obstacles and challenges so that you can help them to uh, more right. easily uh, you know, get past that and then accelerate and, and enhance their overall business. Right. Here's one of the things too. Um, I tell uh, you, wh when we come to the, the point where someone's like, we need help. I always reaffirm my clients. There's nothing, you're not stupid. You're not a bad person. You just, this is not your wheelhouse and it's okay to get help. There is a, com there is a significant difference between writing the plan and implementing the plan. 
Mm. And I usually have two, two sides of the table. I either have people that have been able to write very elaborate, beautiful plans. They are very sexy, very sexy. But when you look at it, it's missing substance and it also had never gets implemented. Then I also have another end of the spectrum where people are implementing, implementing all the time without a plan. That is a perfect recipe for madness because there's no destination. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how we're getting there. We don't know how we measure if we're in the right place. It's, it's the same thing as getting up in the car and just hitting the road and just going. And someone saying, where are we going? Oh, I don't know. We're just going. I know, but where? We're going up there, but where? And then you make all these stops with the, with the price of fuel, you're burning through fuel. You know, it's like you don't know where you're going. So I end up getting people on two ends. And here, here's the here's the thing that I can say because it's true. The hardest clients are the ones that implement without a plan. Mm. They are the hardest group to get back on track because most people that implement without a plan. They know they need a plan, but they've convinced themselves that they don't need to stop, develop the plan first, then implement. They think that they can plan upon and implement at the same time. And you really can't do that. So those are my more challenging um, clients, the ones that implement without a plan. It's kind of like shooting from the hip. You know, they're trying to create this microwave thing. Um, so it's very important that even in marketing, I mean, even as something as basic as we want to increase our customer acquisition by 10%. Perfect. How? How and why? Those are questions we have to ask ourselves, right? How and why? And then when we go through our P's, okay, what's the product? Who are the people? What's going to be the price? What's going to be the place, right? How, how are we going to promote it? We have to go through that because then otherwise, we're going to be doing things haphazardly. So when we know what we're doing and you say, okay, the way we're going to do our 10% acquisition increase of clientele is we're going to do one, two, three, stop. We're going to do one, two, three consistently. The people that tend to do the planning without the, do the implementing without planning, don't do anything consistent. It's like one hit wonders, mm. right? They show up, they disappear. They show up, they disappear. They make a post, they send a mailer, they do a event and then they just keep it moving. Oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. Let's go try something else. And you're like, well, you didn't even land yet. Like, wait a second. Like, let's make sure. It like, did we even go back to see why it didn't work? Because then what will happen is you'll repeat. You become a vicious cycle. You'll repeat the same thing. And what do they always say? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something different is insanity. It's madness, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and to your point, uh, you know, when they, uh, the other thing that I've found too, is that, uh, you know, Hey, we did that. We did that. And yes. then we did that two years ago and it didn't work. We did, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, all of the, and you know, that execution and implementation and just consistently building upon what you're trying to do. And, and in, in that respect, really helping them to build their brand and helping them to be consistent in how they build it and consistent with the customers that they're trying to target. And, uh, and, and that, I think that's, that's really hard. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of businesses don't, you know, they do, they do want to just jump from one thing to the next because it didn't work within the first, you know, three days or the three, weeks or three months. Right. You're right. It's like, Oh, that didn't work next. It's like, no, wait a second. You know, I, and that's why I say, I love traditional 
uh, business methodologies and traditional marketing blended with contemporary because back in the day, right, guy, be, businesses knew how to make, you know, they had staying power. They knew that it took time. They knew, listen, if you want me to address a th- 100,000 people and get their loyal attention, that is not going to happen in three days, three months at all. You know, they had staying power. Mm. And, um, the problem they didn't have why the ones that disappeared that should still be here is they didn't have vision for the future. They, they started lacking future vision. They just thought we're stuck. And that's where complacency becomes the, the great demise, right? Because now we get complacent. So I do believe in men, mixing traditional and contemporary and being very clear about how you're going to make the appropriate adjustments at the right time. So we have to monitor things, pay attention to it. If it's not working, Let's see why. And and I all went and that's perfect. I've had that response before. We did that already. Oh, great. So tell me, how did you do it? And what part of it did not work? Well, it just didn't work. No, no, I get that. Totally get that. But I'd like to know specifically what about it didn't work. Because don't tell me the whole thing didn't work. That means that they never tracked it. And so that's where education comes in. The only way you can say something did not work is that you did everything right about it and it did not work. And that's what we find, right? We'll find, oh, that that didn't work because you know, email doesn't work anymore. Oh, okay. Well, let me see, let me see your stats. Let me see what you did. Okay, you did one email every six months. Yeah. And you said it didn't work. So how did you have a, your strategy strategy said you were going to do an email a month for 12 consecutive months and you were going to do this, this, and this. But based on the stats of this campaign, you did two emails, one every six months. So how is it that it's not working? Well, no one opened. Uh-huh. Okay, let's educate you on how this thing works. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, you're right about the uh, the measurement piece and how important that is and the tracking and making sure that, uh, you know, you do the email and then what happened and then yeah. diagnose uh, what went wrong and what uh, what went right. So I'm on the, uh, you know, as you know, I'm on the ROI side and uh, and and that's that is critical, uh, you know, to be able to make sure that your numbers and your tracking is done so that you can really see whether there has been an effect. And to your point, uh, you know, so many people don't want to wait long enough to see that it's working. You know, you've got this plan, we had the plan, and then, you know, not to follow it or not to follow it long enough is, uh, is pretty critical. It is, it is. You know, in law, they say words matter. In marketing, they say numbers matter. Mm. Numbers matter. It matters. How many emails did we do? How many opens did we did? How many posts did we do? What time of day? How many people saw it? I mean, we have to really go down the line, even direct mail. You know, we did a direct mail. Okay, great. It didn't work. Okay. How many mailers did you send? Well, we sent one, we sent it to a hundred thousand (laughs) people. Oh, okay. (laughs) And you, and what were you expecting uh, to happen after that? So it's always interesting. Numbers matter. So building the numbers pre as you know, projected and then tracking the actuals. It's really important. And some people get nervous around this, right, guy? They get nervous. They're like, oh my God, that's too much. That's numbers and spreadsheets and mathematics and all that stuff. Actually, just like dad said, business isn't hard. We just overcomplicate it. Yeah, yeah. It's basic business principles, right? Money in, money out. Absolutely. And I will admit there is, a, for some reason, there is sometimes a fear of the spreadsheet, but I think that's going... 
I think it's getting less. Uh, I've been surprised at, at people that actually, I wouldn't have thought they know how to uh, really wield a spreadsheet and they're just whipping through it and <laughs> stuff. But I, I think it, I think to your earlier point, I think it's more a, a, a kind of a staying power and not just doing one email and expecting that blast to, to get you something. It's that consistent kind of brand building and brand, you know, getting, getting your, your face in front of the, your clients so that you can uh, be seen and be remembered. And then all of a sudden, you know, they go, yeah, you know, I do have a need for that. And let me give them a call or let me respond to this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, to your point, um, there was a, a big company, they were doing a massive event. And they just thought because we're a big company, we can just show up and it's done. We don't have to do anything. And after probably about just under a million dollars in marketing, they had to pull back. It's like something's not right. We're not, we're, this is not working. How could this be? We're this big, amazing company. How could this be? And they had to pull back. And what happened is they were choosing to enter into a new territory. They didn't have brand recognition, let alone brand loyalty. So when we talk about branding and positioning and, and marketing and tying it together, the first thing we always have to remember is that a, for, before a brand can earn loyalty, there has to be a place of awareness. If I'm aware of you and aware of your brand, then I will recognize you when you begin to show up. If I can recognize you, then I can patron you. I can use you. If I use you and I like you, then you can, I, you, I'll start shifting to a place of preference because I'll prefer you over the other. And then there will come a point, then I can go ahead and, and give you my loyalty, right? So when we look at branding, a lot of people or smaller businesses, medium-sized companies, and every once in a while, a large company, they try to jump from brand zero to brand loyalty like that. And it does not happen because loyalty can never be achieved until we've at least reached a point of patronage or usage. That's it. Because it's at the point of usage that you either like or dislike them. And then we can start shifting down. So that's one thing that's really important. And that's that stay in power, right? That's like looking at the companies that were here and, and you know, now they're gone, like the Buster Browns of the world and Woolworths and you know, all that stuff, they had, they understood what that meant. So understanding of the journey and not being afraid of the process. And I always say, we have to learn how to respect the process. We have to respect the process, right? And then we'll get there quicker and save some money while we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and I like your point, um, you know, that concept of the leaky bucket, you got, you know, marketing, maybe it's bringing in new clients, but they're leaking out the bottom uh, we were working with a big insurance company and they had uh, almost a 40% uh, loss rate in wow. per year of, uh, of their customers, 40%, you know. Oh, that's a problem. That's that, a big problem. You only have to change that by a couple of percent and you can, you know, your revenue growth is met. Yeah. You know, what are you doing wrong? And then being able to really figure that out and, and, and then make some changes to it. I also like your point about, um, you know, diagnosing what's wrong. 
Well, sometimes, you know, if you do a number of different marketing things, some things work and some things don't. And, and I'm the ROI guy. So I, that's kind of the first thing I look at, well, what's working and what's not. But the second real piece is, well, it may not be working, but maybe you're doing something wrong there. Maybe you're not doing the process. You're not following the process, right? Exactly. I love it. Yeah. And that's usually what we find though, right, guy? Like we usually find that every once in a while we'll find that you're right. This isn't working. It's not working because it's not for your industry. It doesn't match your business. It doesn't match your clientele. Um, I always find that sometimes people don't know their clientele. They don't know who their, their audience is. And so they're, they're using any method to talk to their audience, but they don't know who the audience is. So they can't hit a target. There's no target. They don't know what they're doing. So they're trying anything. And so there is a method for every industry and for every business. It just has to be perfectly and specifically prescribed. And that's what we find. And, uh, you know, but you know, you hear oh, mailers don't work. Email doesn't work. Email is dead. Social media doesn't work. This, that, and the third. Uh, advertising doesn't work. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. Well, it maybe it may not work for your industry or maybe your type of business or the stage your business is, but it does work. So how about we find something that actually will work for you that you can stick with? Another thing is some people try to use marketing strategies and um, uh, brand, well, not even brand positioning, but marketing strategies to position their brand without counting the cost. Certain marketing strategies cost way more money and it requires a certain level of manpower. So you have a business that maybe they only have a team of 10 and maybe their marketing budget caps at 50,000 for the year, but they want to step into territory where this marketing strategy would require you to have a team of 50 and you would have to have a marketing budget of 200,000. You're right. It's not going to work. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and, and in that case, what you're doing is you're generating demand for your cut, your competitors because they're, they're <laughs> <Not that. laughs> generating demand for your customers. I love it. Yeah. And, but you can't fulfill it. You know, you can't answer the phone or you can't do whatever it is and they're just going to call somebody else. So you, you just wasted all that money and, and you help your competitors do better. I love that. That's a good one. You're generating demand for your customers. I usually say you're negotiating against yourself, but that one sounds even sexier. You're generating demand for your customers, your, your competitors, I should say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Although, you know, it's funny, and I'm so glad to hear, you know, you like a mix of uh, contemporary versus traditional media. Um, we've seen uh, with some of our clients kind of a resurgence of some of the traditional media and I think that's because they're just getting overwhelmed with all these messages. And then everybody is ignoring like print, you know, or billboards because they're just not using them anymore. And now you put something up there and all of a sudden they start to really work. So exactly, exactly. Well, you know, here's the other thing, too. Um, anything that's new is always exciting. Right. And so many years ago, social media hit the scene. Right. So social media showed up and hit the scene. And that was the new and exciting hoorah thing of, of the business time and everything right like that right but what happened is it's technology it's technology so the technology has to keep up with the times and so when we have different social media platforms the technology has to significantly advance which means that it's ever changing so between once you finally figure out an algorithm for one platform, 
within a year or so, that whole entire algorithm and method process is changed. It completely changes. And then you have to figure out how this works and how that works, right? So we have been in this, this space where we have been exposed to uh, social media since like what, the two, two, 2000 or something like that. So we've been exposed to, you know, early 2000s that we have had this social media rave, right? So we have to now look at how could the platform that we were exposed to in like 2004 and 2006 function the same way 18, 20 years later? It can't. And so when we look at a business, if you don't evolve with the times as well, this is where businesses are getting stuck. They think, well, I'm only, this happened when social media kicked in and they thought everybody was going to be on social media. You had a bucket of businesses that were adamant. We're not going on social media. We don't need it. We'll continue to do our door hangers and we'll send mailers. And they didn't even do email. We'll put it in a, in a newspaper. That's what we're going to do. That's, that's how we got here. That's how we succeeded. Then that's how you succeeded. Then in order to stay, you have to evolve with it. So when 2004 and six and eight kicked in and all these platforms and, and after that, I mean, they just popped up every three, three, three seconds, another one pops up. You have to figure out, okay, we do have to align with a platform, which one or which two of them are we going to align with? Most people get themselves into a tizzy because they think they have to be on every single social media platform when right. that's really impossible because there's well over 300 plus social media platforms, more than that now. There's no way you can be on all of them, right? So a business has to step back, right? From a strategic standpoint, where are our customers? So that's why it's important. I got to know my customer first because then I'll know what platform we need to be on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think too, one of the things that uh, companies don't, realize as well as those platforms evolve in two ways one of them the technology underlying it uh evolves and then there's new like tools on how to use it and what have you and you know we cookies came about and then now their cookies are going away but there's new tools to be able to get around that right. and uh, and the second thing is though i think there is uh with any of these new platforms there is a first mover advantage if yes. it's really you know like let's say let's say your audience is on TikTok. If you're the first person or the first company in your competitive set to be on TikTok, you're going to get really great results out of that. But as soon as the competition gets in there, then, you know, now you're fighting again. So now you have to do something different. And I think there's, you know, those two dimensions of the dynamics in each, one's of the, in each one of these uh, platforms is really, really critical. And so then when somebody says, well, we've been doing print for the last 30 years or door hangers or bus wrappers or something like that, and it's always worked for us, but, you know, life has changed. You know, there's yeah. new ways to do this uh, kind of stuff. You're right. Well, and they say it always worked for us. And then you say, okay, let's look at some numbers. It's always worked for you. But over the past five years, you've lost 30 something percent of your customer base. Yeah. And you didn't even realize it. Right. So that's to your point, you know, knowing the numbers, understanding where we are. I'd like, I always like to know, where are we? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And who do we need to get there? right? Who do we need and how much is this going to cost us? You know, how are we going to be able to um, start something, stabilize something and, and then scale it, right? And that's that's the whole essence of business. So I agree with you 100%, knowing where you need to be and at what time. And then also knowing when to, to exit stage left. Yeah, yeah. 
leave it. Like if you're on a platform and it's become oversaturated and you find out that your customers have shifted, you got to shift with your customers. That's where they are. You can't, I always say, don't keep asking the island to uproot and come to you. You need to go to the island. <laughs> yep, yep. How, how true, how true, how true. So uh, we all are hopefully, hopefully, hopefully now emerging out of COVID. Uh, what have you kind of learned uh, now that we're kind of coming out or what are you seeing now that we're coming out that uh, will be a really good advantage to help your clients with? Well, there are a lot of different things that have emerged. Um, so, for example, um, I, I'll try to be somewhat specific to give some hard examples, right? So for our clients, one of the things we notify, noticed with our restaurant clients, because we had a fair amount of restaurant clients is we had to completely shift and change the entire business model. One thing we did with all our clients when COVID hit, the first thing we did was notify them, we have to have an emergency meeting because you need to change your entire business model. We, yes, we had our plan that we mapped out, but it's a completely different world. So now we have to go back and adjust the strategic plan and adjust the business model. And what we did with even, for example, our restaurant clients, we had to completely change the business model. You're not going to have the same capacity in-house. And so really looking at ramping up the takeout, ramping up outdoor space, but then also what do you have to do when you start doing that? Your technology, adjusting your um, your manpower, the numbers, because now you don't have the same in-house. You're going to have to remove at least five of the tables because here's what will happen. If you leave the tables packed in here the way it is, you're going to lose more customers because some people are not going to come because it's too close. Now you got Now we have to start accounting for social distance and spacing. So now where you might've had 10 tables in this one particular area, you can only get five. Those are some changes that have come down for our clients. Some other things that we've come down, technology has been a big thing. We've had to redo all the financial um, projections because the cost of technology is significantly changing and it's probably gonna keep changing for another two years until things begin to kind of settle a little bit. So we had to make sure our clients could account for the change in the cost of technology to operate the business across the board, even just the, the economic rise of things, right? And then also standing back and looking at how people work. So when we have people that have to work inside, we have to start looking at, okay, does your staff have to be in the building? And do you actually need this building? Because some people are holding on to it like, oh, it's coming back. It's coming back. I wish, I wish, I wish. No, no, it's not coming back. It's time to change. There's no need to have this large space and building when 90% of the time it's empty. So making those hard adjustments are some things as well that needed to be done. In terms of servicing clientele, two things had to happen, speed and technology. Customers now are not as away from their devices. So when a customer or a client reaches out, it's not okay that it takes you two and three days to get back to them. Not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not okay. Before it was okay because they were on the street, they were moving around, da, 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 everything's da, da, da. no, not anymore. It wasn't okay. It was yeah. marginally okay. But now you have to respond immediately. You really, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you got you got 10 hours. I've not heard from you all month. I just spoke to you two days ago. <laughs> it's like it's, it feels like a month. So communication, um, you know, policies had to be changed. How do you how do you communicate things of that nature? You can't you cannot wait two and three and four days to respond to a client. Another thing is because technology shifted, we had to really incorporate a policy. You must check your your junk folder. You have to check your junk folder. The way that our technology, half of our emails get sucked into junk folder, which never used to go there before. So now you can't not check it. Your spam folder, your junk folder has to be checked um, on a regular routine basis, two, sometimes two, two times a day, three times a day, depending on the volume you have. So those are some things like really going from an infrastructure place and, and how and operations is what we've spent a lot of time. This is what's turning and what's changing thanks to COVID. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's a really good case study with, uh, with Chick-fil-A and, and what they've been able to do. I, what a, what a, what a company. Uh, I love that company. I love that company. I mean, if I was a vegetarian, I think they'd make me eat meat. I'm just, just I'm just saying it's crazy. They have such a heart space um, and they have such good, good business, good business. And, and, and one of the things that uh, there was a report that came out, they make decisions that are for the greater good. They really make heart, heart-filled decisions. I mean, when we look at the Chick-fil-A's, they make, they're not afraid to invest now for future um, benefit. Yeah, yeah. If we notice, right? All of the Chick-fil-A's, they're changing it. They're making double lanes, quad lanes. Triple, yeah, quad, it's amazing. I mean, it looks like a darn airport in there. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like a taxi lines at the airport. You are so right. And you know what's interesting? I was reading the statistic that uh, they have like four lanes and like McDonald's might have one. And if they're lucky, they might have two. And the wait time in the Chick-fil-A is less than it is than it is in McDonald's. It is. And the quality, the quality of food, they're very focused on quality and efficiency. The, yeah. efficiency, the quality when the Chick-fil-A app was launched, they they launched with such care and precision. They actually wanted to hear from customers. And as soon as you heard, they actually had a team that all they did was look out for customer um, feedback or complaints or issues, right? And the app is so efficient. If you forget to pick up your order, and this happened to me just the other day, I placed an order and I was at the wrong location because like they got the Chick-fil-A, it was like five miles apart and I didn't pay attention. So I placed the order on the app and I'm at the wrong location. I walked in there and I'm like, what is taking so long? I got to go, you know, whatever it is. Like we don't have an order. I was like, I placed it and I showed the app and they knew the store. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Ms. Davis, that's the wrong store. But you know what? Let me see what you ordered. And I said, well, how do I refund it? They was like, well, let's just get you going. Forget the refund. Let's just get you moving, right? They are so good. They are so they good. My entire order as I ordered it. And then the store in which I was supposed to be at, apparently the, the time kicked in. I get a phone call. <laughs> Miss Davis, your order is ready. I was like, I feel horrible. I'm so sorry. I feel like a dork. I'm at the wrong store. I didn't know. Oh, well, do you, are you on the way? We can meet you outside. And we, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm lost of time. I can't get there. He's like, okay, we're so sorry. And I was like, um, you don't have to give me a refund. It was my mistake. Oh, Miss Davis, we'll take care of it. How about they pushed a free order to me 
for my inconvenience. I'm the one that made the mistake. <laughs> We're so sorry you didn't get to come here. Come and get a free sandwich. What? <laughs> they are such a good company. And you know, and even even what's more incredible is their their uh, locations are so enormous in the level of sales, and they're only open six days a week. Six it, days a week. So amazing. I love it. I respect it. I've never gotten cold food. I've never gotten poorly prepared food. There, I mean, the quality is always good. And to this just kind of culminates everything that we're talking about good business. Business isn't hard. People just make it complex. And I remember where people were trying to shame Chick-fil-A for not being open on a Sunday and so forth. And it was like, no, that is not our, that's not what our beliefs. And I, that was another level of respect that I had for them. You know, that's another thing, right guy, when you're in business, you've got to hold your beliefs, right? Hold to your beliefs just because you can, doesn't mean that you should. And that's something that in business, we all have to learn to lean on just because you can doesn't mean that you should, right? Sure, they can be open seven days a week, but that doesn't mean that they should, right? And even we, as we are in business, whenever we go to either take on a client or take on a project or whatever, we have to step back sometimes say, hold on a second. Sure, I can do this, but should I? Right. Like, and it comes up uh, in every business and it is uh, it, it makes so much of a, of a difference for the whole the whole business, all of the employees and how to make a decision. And, uh, you know, and especially nowadays, when you think about, you know, PII, personally identifiable information and how you, you know, track that and how you guard that and protect it. Um, there's so many things that you could do, but you know, should you do it is 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 a really tough. And I think that's uh, coming up, uh, going to be coming up more and more here as we uh, as as the technology just kind of takes over just about everything. Agreed, agreed. Technology is going to it, it does dictate a lot of how we do things, when we do things, and and stuff and things like that. Like what should we do? What shouldn't we do? Technology. Any business that runs from technology is looking for trouble. You can't run from technology. You know, you cannot run from technology. I um, I, I tend to do what's called a um, like a simple series, a five simple step series, and I'll post post it on my YouTube channel and just to educate people, give people something to think about. And I said, okay, if anyone is still sending out an attached Word document as an invoice to clients, asking in people to print it, write a check, put it in the mail, snail mail it. We have got to talk. Something's wrong. Okay. You cannot do this thing. This is the year that, you know, send a link, click a button, send a link, click a button, right? Or when people start doing the back and forth, something as basic as booking time. Why do we have to have six different emails exchanged about time? How about you just send a calendar link, book time, book the time. It's, it's efficiency and, and technology and living in that. And when you start coming across businesses, well, when, when customers in the marketplace gets exposed to efficiency in that manner, it now becomes an expectation. And so when they come back to a company or they go to a company and they don't have that same level of efficiency and streamlining, they're like, oh man, these guys are archaic. Well, and that absolutely, and that's where uh, Amazon has uh, done 
they have done such a good job with their user interface and Chick-fil-A the same way. And sorry, I'm not going to do a commercial for Chick-fil-A, but, but their, their methods are affecting everybody. Because when I go to Joe, you know, Joe Blow down the street and he doesn't have something that's close to what Amazon is, I'd rather just buy it from Amazon. Yeah, that's what's happening. And that's the, that's the, the struggle, right? You have businesses that um, they think that they can get away with not rising to the occasion. Now, a mom and pop can't meet the demands or meet the level of an Amazon, but you can offer quality good service. You can say, listen, I can't, I don't have it here, but I can order it for you. I can get it for you. And case in point, uh, my fiance and I, we went to a store the other day and the first person we engaged with, see, this is also marketing. This is branding, right? The first person we engaged with was very, oh yeah, we don't have that in here. I mean, if you want, listen to the words correctly, right? If you want, you can go online and search it up and order it. I'm in your store, you sell the product. And so of course we were, I was like, first of all, my whole branding brain is like, who owns this joint? Like, what in the world? What kind of what kind of customer service training do we have? Like, bing, 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 bing is going off. And I'm, I had my coffee. I was sipping on my coffee. I was literally like meditating on the way out. I was like, this makes no sense. So on the way out, I, I said to my friends, I said, oh, well, look at that over there. And he's like, yeah. And there was another young lady. She goes, hey, can I help you guys? And my friends was like, no, because the other guy. And I'm like, well, actually, you can. Here's what we're looking for. And she goes, oh, let me see. And let me tell you, the experience was completely different. Let me go look. And, and my friends said, well, we were back there already. And the guy, I said, Zip. <laughs> we appreciate all the help that you're doing. And she went back there and she looked and she checked. And then she went and she goes, you know something? We don't have this one, but I can order it. Give me a second. Can you guys wait until I get it ordered? We'll have it in here. If you want me to deliver it to you, whatever. She got on her computer boop, 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 and took care of everything. Yep. Yep. As I sat there sipping my coffee. <laughs> and you know, the funny part is that uh, even though they have more or less good customer service, it was the training that failed with the other employee and 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 that getting that across the the whole organization is so difficult especially when you have a lot of turnover and things like that um i have so many more questions for you but <laughs> and I, could go on, I mean i think we could go on for another couple hours yet i know i know <laughs> uh, i i do want to ask you one more question and that is uh, so what is the what's the most important thing uh, that you'd like to get across today the most important thing that I would like to get across today is number one, um, in business, stay focused and be intentional. Mm. Stay focused and be intentional. Don't get distracted by the noise. Stay focused and be intentional. There's a lot of noise out there. And if you don't be careful, you'll get sucked in like a vacuum to, to a billion things. So that's on the business side. On the marketing side, what I would say is the same thing. Get focused and intentional. Be very clear about who you want to work with, what clients you want to serve, and then study your customer, study your clientele, and spend time chasing the clients that want to be caught. Don't spend time chasing clients who do not want to be caught. That is a waste of energy, waste of time, waste of money. So the, the thing I want to get about is focus and intentionality on both sides of it. 
but always pay attention to your customer, study your customer, know what they want. You know, it's okay to go to extra mile without charging that customer an extra $2. Yeah. It's okay. okay, Right. But focus, study them. And then again, spend time chasing customers that want to be caught as opposed to customers that do not want to be caught. Yeah. I always prefer going, uh, catching as opposed to fishing. (laughs) (laughs) So I have one other, uh, very important question and that where can people reach you? Absolutely. So the best way to find me is go to impactbrandingconsulting.org. That's impactbrandingconsulting.org. And you can find everything you need to know about me and uh, it'll connect you socially. You can call, you can schedule a call, a chat, anything is there, impactbrandingconsulting.org. Fantastic. Thank you. Natasha, thank you. You've been awesome. And uh, I, I really I would love to be able to spend another couple hours. So we'll have to do this again and we'll have to uh, get through the rest of the questions that I've got. But, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> absolutely. And thank you. And uh, thank you to everyone. Please stay tuned for many other videos in this series of the backstory on marketing. Please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com and you can download the first chapter of my upcoming book and also valuable other valuable excerpts. Otherwise, Don't forget to reach out to Natasha at impactbrandingconsulting.org, impactbrandingconsulting.org. And otherwise, if you like this episode, please rate it with five stars. Thank you so much, Natasha, and thanks, thanks to everyone. Thank you so much. 